Here, 357. Go up and if you need to, put one right behind his head. We yeah. talked about this ghost bear. How long have you been after this ghost bear? Five years. I just love hunting these animals. That's that's all I care about. Welcome to the Bear Hunting Podcast. Hey folks, before we get into to today's podcast, I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Batum 907. Um, they're, in my opinion, the best black bear lures on the planet, and uh, I've used them for years and had great success with them, and uh, um, highly recommend them. And so, if you need some lures or you want to try some out, um, like their, you know, my favorite, the Final Dessert Bear Tar, or anything in Michigan Mash, which is a uh, uh, scent I help formulate, um, those are my two favorites. But uh, if you want to give those a try, um, you can or your longtime customer and just want a discount. Uh, you can use the code BHP10, and that'll give you a 10% discount on their scents. So, um, anyway, just wanted to let you guys know that. All right, thanks. All right, here we are, Bear Hunting Podcast. This is our uh, what do you want to call it? Our um, annual fall predictions podcast with the one and only Jimmy Walner. And uh, this one's kind of cool because me and Jimmy just hung out two days ago. We were up bear scouting up in uh, far northern Minnesota. We'll we'll leave it at, at that. <laughs> Although I think yeah. I think you could probably guess where we're roughly where we are. But anyway, we'll make it easy for you. So how you doing, Jimmy? Good. You? Good. Good. So like we were saying, I made it home okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> you survived the, the the drive and the and the experience. Yeah. Five hour drive, five hours of scouting, and another five hour drive, right? Yeah, I think. Well, let's see, because I got there. Because I, I guess for everybody, so this is we're recording this on Monday. Um, on Saturday, I I got up at three o'clock in the morning. I drove five and a half hours to Jimmy's place, and then let's see, we were so I got there what nine thirty ish. And we were probably scouting yep. by 10. And um trying to think. So then I left there about, what, 4.30? Almost 5 yeah, o'clock. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah, yep. pretty close. Yeah, and I didn't listen to your advice. And I did go through town, not thinking. And I realized, like, literally that whole road was gone. And then I had to go all through the back streets <laughs> trying to get around it. Well, I saw, you, I saw you kept going on the main road there. And I'm like... The only thing I could think of is, well, maybe he's going to Subway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought, I guess I was kind of thinking that was an option, but when the c- entire road was tore out, I'm like, forget this. And then I didn't, I didn't, yeah. get, I didn't get anything until I think I stopped in two harbors and got something. So, yeah. But always listen to the guide's advice. Yeah, I know. I know, man. I'm, rule number one. Rule number one listen to the guide. <laughs> <laughs> oh funny so yeah and then and then so yeah i left at what five so it gives us what seven hours of scouting and then i drove all the way home i didn't get home till almost 11 so it was a long day 
long day. That's a long day. Yep. Some people would claim I'm crazy, which is pretty true. But yeah, I, I could agree. Yeah, but that's okay. It's fun. It's all worth it. Like like we were talking about in the woods. It uh, I don't know. It's it's about the adventure, not necessarily the practicality of it. So, and uh, right, it's going to be an adventure. <laughs> so, but um, anyway, yeah. So we met up um Saturday morning, and uh, the plan was so was just give you guys you guys aren't really don't know what's going on. Um, I drew a Minnesota tag, and um, I'm hunting up by Jimmy Walner. Um, I'm doing it myself, but, uh, Jimmy wanted to show me around and show me to some areas that he doesn't typically hunt, but, uh, knows are good bear areas. So we, uh, I said, all right. So we drove, I drove up Saturday and, uh, we basically just went bombed around the trails and checked out bear spots and found some bait sites and yeah. So that was Saturday. Um, and I guess, I guess the thing I liked about it, it was cool because, I like to learn from people, you know, like, uh, like when I went with Mike Foss a couple of years ago, it was cool to see how he does it and what terrain he hunts and why, and, you know, see how his, his setup works. Right. And so it, it was cool to go up there with you and see, okay, what is, what is Jimmy thinking with this terrain, you know, in his backyard, see why he likes certain spots or whatever. So, um, yeah, I guess what I, what I thought was cool was like when we first rolled up that first bait site. So we rolled up to the spot and I guess what what I had done before this was I had pinned a bunch of areas that I thought would be good on Onyx and, you know, and not like specific, like, Oh, I think this is the exact tree I should set up in, but you know, kind of, Hey, this seems like a good general area. I think if we walk down this trail. This might be good. Let's check it out. Right. And, um, and so we drove to one, we were starting to drive to one of them and you point out the spot that quite honestly, I would have never have looked at unless you had pointed it out. Um, the very first spot. Uh, and we got out and it, it, and I guess I wouldn't say I wouldn't totally have overlooked it, but I certainly would not have initially set up where I think we we're going to set up there. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. um, it was like, well, I guess to describe this spot, so it, it's a lot closer than the road that I would have thought, which for the, because I, coming from where I, I come from with, you know, bear hunting the late season in Michigan, I'm always worried about, you know, lots of pressure, lots of, you know, I don't want hounds, you know, cutting, you know, bears crossing the road and, and hounds picking up on their trails and stuff and uh, that sort of thing. But that's not really an issue where we are. We're super remote and there's no hound hunting in Minnesota. So, um, I guess I kind of had to turn that side of my brain off and, you know, cause that spot, I mean, it's what 40 yards from the road, 50 yards from the road. You say that's about right. Yeah. I, I would say 50, 75 yards from the road. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Yeah. It was probably a little further, I guess, but, um, yeah, it was just, it was really, really thick and kind of like the, there's a lot of like moss and lichen on the ground. Um, it wasn't like near any clear cuts or it wasn't, I guess it was sort of close to a really big swamp, but it was a little distance from it. So I guess normally I wouldn't have, have 
thought of that spot, but you were like all about it. Yeah, I mean that that like we had talked about that. I think I had said I had I had looked at that spot probably at least two or three different times and thought I need to get a bait in here, but I never had really gone in as far as we did. Mm-hmm. Basically, what it was was a overgrown um, woods road at one time that's been decommissioned mm-hmm. and the you know the road is filled in with alder brush and goes down to more or less um one of the major rivers and um it's kind of spruce bogish probably if if we weren't in a drought it would be wet in there yeah that's true that's a good point um but just you know, a typical bear area for here that I would set up in. Um, like I pointed out, it was probably 15 to 20 degrees cooler in there. Mm-hmm. And the bugs weren't as bad as well. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Which is, you know, when it's, you know, 85, 87 degrees is that's big for a big fat black animal. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was a lot cooler in there and quiet too. I, I guess that was, I guess that was the, I mean, not to like jump ahead to like main lessons I learned from riding around with you, but you know, like you are all about like thick, thick cover, which I kind of am too, but I, I think with the, where I hunt and stuff, it's not as, there's other things I'm looking at too. It's, it, you know, covers one of the things, but it's not the only thing. Whereas, you know, for you, it's one of the bigger things. Yeah. I, I mean, I like thick cover because, you know, I mean, and I, I have some open, you know, some more open. So I wish I could have taken you around to some of my base sites. Cause then you kind of could have got a more of a grass, but I mean, I have bait sites too, that would like, you know, some experienced guys would be like, Oh, I can't, you know, I can't believe they actually come out in this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or right. while you're, you know, like I told you, there's one of our best baits we shot a Pope and young bear off last year is like literally across the city, right outside the city limits. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, but it's a thick spot too. Yeah. And it's a huge, that, that chunk of woods is, I don't know how many hundreds of acres before it's finally broken up by a road, mm-hmm. which I think too is kind of important, you know? Um, but it, you know, the, the, the thick areas, they kind of, they like, cause you know, they, they want some security. And also, you know, I think a lot of the times too is, if they do try circling you or they kind of have an idea that, well, is, you know, there's, there's a human there or what sometimes curiosity can bring them in for a closer look too. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, but thick cover and especially what we looked at in that first one too, you know, the way that the weather has been um, with the extreme drought that we're in and, 
you know, the high temp, I mean, it was like 89 degrees here yeah, again today. Was, I mean, it was hot. It's complete fire ban here. It's just the weather has been, I've never seen anything like it here before. So usually the lake is like an air conditioner. No, like nobody has air conditioners here. Mm-hmm, right. And <laughs> I wish I had one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's still getting a little bit cool at night, but the days, the days have been really hot, you know, and that you get in that, that dark green timber and it just drops the, you know, the sun doesn't penetrate it. Yeah. That's why, you know, there's not a lot growing on the ground, you know, but it's still real thick in there. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And they just lay down in that moss, you know, they just wallow out a little bed in that green moss and, and they can stay cool, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I should mention, you know, it was kind of a, I guess we'd classify it as like a spruce swamp. You know, yeah, and I love, like I said many times over the years, to me, spruce and cedar swamps would probably be my number one bait site locations. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. I should also preface this too. I I should have started with this, but but where we're hunting is 100% boreal forest, so there is no. I didn't see any maple trees or anything like that. Um, yeah, there's not even red maples up there. So I mean, it is pure boreal forest so spruce fir poplar birch cedars alders it's about it so it's it's about as close to going to ontario as you you can get without going there yep exactly and it's or basically you know half hour from the border yeah yeah exactly so yep um but so yeah, that first spot I, I'd classify as like a spruce swamp. So lots of spruce, lots. Yeah. Of, it was real thick. I mean, the road was alders. Well, at first, and then it cleared out a little bit, which let us get out, get further back without too much, you know, bushwhacking. Mm-hmm. But um, the uh, I'm trying to think. But yeah, the actual once we actually cut in the woods, it was yeah, pretty much spruce. There might have been some tamarack in there too, but either way, um, real thick, but. I think, the, so the plan there, um, got a stand that, well, we're going to set, we're going to set the stand probably, I don't know, what's probably what, 30, 40 yards from the bait. Can't get real far, but, I, but I'm gun hunting. So that's, you know, you wouldn't be good with a bow, but it's a nice thing about hunting with a gun is it really frees up a lot of options for getting shots, even in those close quarters, you know, so. Right. But. Yeah, so that was cool. That that was neat. I was I was. It was neat to see that. Um, you know, see what you're thinking there. And I kind of, <laughs> you know, I I, I wasn't looking for you to like tell me exactly like you know like hey set up a spot for me. But I I kind of wanted to see what you were thinking to to see how your your thought process worked with the bait site. You know, and so that that was good. I liked that. But so I mean, too, like I said, when you when you get into a spot that. Um, like this, this, the bait, the bait site and the sand trees just jump out at you. Yeah, definitely. At least for me anyways, because I've been doing it so long. Like I can walk, like when we walked in there, I'm like, all right, well, this is where I put the bait. And then there was that clump of spruce trees. I'm like, you have good, that's a good hide there. Yeah. You have good background cover. Um, and I should say that when I, when I mean like a thick bait site area, I don't necessarily mean just like this 
thick overgrown area. I mean, I, as long as there's some cover coming up to the bait site, mm-hmm. I like that. Um, you know, like the stand area and everything doesn't have to be like a, a total jungle or rainforest or anything. I mean, I have some stand site locations where they're in a, a very open um, spruce swamp, but the bait site itself is located up you know, kind of maybe on the edge where it meets, you know, some alders or there might even be some popples or something like that. Yeah. And that yeah. part of it is thick. And then, you know, the guy might be out in the stand, at the, the spruce stand itself, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And those spots, sometimes they can pose a little bit more problems if they're an archery hunter, because they, you know, the bears can pick them out or get skylined, you could say, but for a gun, you know, a gun hunter, you can get them further back. Yeah. And yeah. I'm a firm believer that in what I've seen over doing this, you know, the last two decades is that the gun hunters are much more successful than the bow hunters. And I think we talked about that because you can get them further back away from the bait site and you can also get a shot, you know, if the bear doesn't completely commit to the, to the site. Whereas a bow hunter, he's, you know, he's really got to pick his, pick his shot. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Not to ruffle any feathers, but, uh, it is my firm belief that, um, there is way too many people trying to shoot a bear at the bow because what they see on TV, too many people that are just not qualified to be doing it. It is a very challenging thing to pull off. Right. I agree with that. It's it's unfortunate. If, If I could give anybody any advice if you are going to bow hunt black bears especially the way that i hunt them here in northern minnesota and i would say probably most guides is you're going to be hunting in those those thicker areas especially when you get into the you know the spruce swamps and the cedar swamps it is going to get dark a half hour faster maybe even 45 minutes depending on cloud cover if you got a storm brewing or whatever like even right now with the fires we have going in Canada, you know, it's getting sunset here just from the smoke 45 minutes to an hour than it normally would. You need to practice in low light conditions. Yep. There is absolutely no doubt about it. If you don't, and I mean, even a if, even for a gun hunter, I recommend, you know, if you can crack off a couple rounds at, you know, five minutes before the end of shooting time, because a lot of times that's when your biggest bears are going to show up mm-hmm. more depending on the weather, you know, if it's hot or whatever, or even if you have a lot of natural food, sometimes that's going to be the only times those bears might show up is that magical half hour, you know, before the end of shooting light. And definitely if you're a bow hunter, you, you need to be practicing in the, from a stand at, you know, some sort of target that's black, um, or you're, or you're setting yourself up for failure, especially if you've never bear hunted before with archery equipment. Yeah. Cause I've seen it over and over and over and over again. Yep. 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 Unfortunately you've seen it. I've seen it at the camps I've been to. That's just the unfortunate truth. There is a lot of, a lot of bears lost 
by wo- wounded and never recovered by archery hunters. It just I mean I'm not saying it doesn't happen with gun hunters too because it certainly does, but there is way too much of it, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so. and I mean most of it comes down to just just practice. Yeah, exactly. You know, I understand that there's there's nerves involved in everything, mm-hmm. and you can get away with you know a little more with a with a high powered rifle or a shotgun with slugs, but yeah, um, you know also with the archery equipment, you know, like another thing that I have seen over the years that I I harp on all the time is don't even consider trying to punch any sort of arrow through the front shoulder. Yep. I was just going to say that is the biggest one, probably one of the biggest mistakes that is made. And I mean, I don't even recommend guys try to punch it into the opposite side because Mm -hmm. it's just Kevlar armor. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, I've had bears shot with, you know, 300 wind mags and hit in the shoulder and, you know, not recovered them. Yeah, had blood, hair, bones all over. Look for two days. Get you know a half dozen guys out there and look all over and nothing. Yeah, I mean, I think some bears are very easy to kill with with proper you know shot placement. Yep. Yeah, they they are. They actually don't go very far if you. There's two things with bears. There's two things with bears. They don't bleed even with a big gun. I mean, you want to punch the biggest hole you can in them, but they still don't even bleed that much i mean if you shoot shoot a white tail with the same bullet it's gonna i mean you're gonna have a blood trail that helen keller can follow but if you shoot a bear with the same same situation you're gonna find just a little bit of blood like it's not gonna be like oh big old bloodbath or anything like that so yeah um so that that's number one number two is is folks i mean the the worst advice i've ever heard is that you can break down a bear by shooting on the front shoulder. I don't know if that's just something that comes from like, I hear, I hear a lot of like grizzly bear hunters talking about that, but I don't, I don't think that's, I don't know. I'm not a grizzly guy, so I shouldn't talk, but certainly with black bears, their vitals are, or they're not even close to the front shoulder. They're way further back, you know, like, you know, everybody talks about the middle of the middle. So what I like to do is I like to, you know, aim at the middle of the bear, but then go, you know, three, four inches forward. So you're like, but if there's a line, if you could draw a line, two lines, one on the front shoulder, one at the, um, in the middle of the bear, I'm like maybe halfway between that, you know, maybe slightly toward a back a little bit, but I've shot bears there every single time and they never go anywhere. I mean, they get, you know, 30, 40 yards at most. Um, and no problems killing bears that way. But, um, so many people, especially, I don't know, especially if it's your first bear hunt and you're used to whitetail hunting where you're trying to put an arrow through the pocket right by their shoulder, right behind their front shoulder there. I mean, you you might hit heart, but their heart's further back than that. So there is a lot of people that take that shot thinking they're going to heart shot a bear and they hit nothing, nothing vital in that bear. Never, they never recover the bear, you know? Yeah. And the heart is totally in the lung too if you yeah. notice between the two sets of lungs it is yeah yeah it's not like a white tail yep and another thing is too i mean granted when you're white tail hunting you know there's there's for the most part there's um not a lot of foliage in the woods or no. you know you may be hunting some sort of egg field or something like that but when a bear is shot with a gun or bow there's like no hesitation from that animal that bear is like 
gone in a split second. Yep. Definitely. They just full of adrenaline and gone, you know, yep. and can cover some serious ground quick. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> so Yeah, I I don't ever go into a bear hunt with a whitetail hunting mentality. Take everything you know about whitetail hunting if you're going on a bear hunt and just totally forgetting about it because it has absolutely zero application to a bear hunt. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. And that's coming from two very avid whitetail hunters. (laughs) So. Yeah. I mean, I probably outside of waterfall hunting. I mean, I still get, you know, I like to bear hunt every now and then I've shot enough to where it, you know, I'm, I just, you know, if somebody, I like if my brother gets a tag or some friends or something, you know, and, and, you know, I'd, enjoy going but outside of waterfall hunting probably deer hunting is probably my biggest thing yeah yeah for sure for sure i i i prefer bear hunting but deer hunting and i'm that depends like we were talking it depends the time of year that you asked me that too because man during during uh especially late october you know when all the guys are you know coming over and we're swapping deer hunting stories and you know i'm shooting deer left and right that's I I really enjoy that too. So, <laughs> but yeah, sometimes you, you may even catch me if if you get if you talk to me, then you may even hear me say, "Man, I'm gonna quit bear hunting because I just love this so much." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I like bear hunting, but I've you know by the time I get around to do it, it my my time to bear hunt is usually after I've ran clients and between getting everything out of the woods and, you know, I got the grouse hunters are coming mm-hmm. and everything like that. And I mean, I do like to bird hunt too with my kids and, uh, yeah, yeah. But you know, I mean, I, I, I like to get out and bear hunt every now and then. So yeah, for sure. No, I, I love bear hunting. I, I really, really do. I, I just like deer hunting sometimes. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, but no, especially like I was telling you, it gets this be this time of yeah, year. Yeah, we like, got off topic there. Oh, it's okay. That's, that's what podcasting went all from about. picking out base sites to shot placement. <laughs> it's good to touch on every so often because you know I, you know I know people don't listen to every single podcast, and so it's good to touch on, especially if you're new to this, you know. But because it is very different, and uh, I just I just I'm tired of seeing people losing bears. You know, because it they're just because of poor shot placement too. You know, or I'll watch. Yeah. You know, I watch a lot of YouTube videos. That's uh, you know, and I'll sit there and I'll poke through random bear hunting videos, and I'll see somebody take a shot on a bear, and I go, "Dude, that's a terrible shot." And they'll and the the person will turn to the camera and go, "Man, I drilled him. He's dead for sure." And I'm like, "Uh, dude, you just shot it in like, you know, first up, well, it's it'll either be." dude, you shot it in the front shoulder. You didn't even hit anything. And that bear is obviously not, you know, I don't know if it's fatally wounded, but it's not stopping anytime soon. Or B, you know, the bears, you know, they shot it way far back or something. It's like, oh, man. But anyway, I no, I, I, made... I cringe too when I see those shots at bears when they're laying down at a base. Oh, I know. I hate those too. Those are terrible. Maybe it's one thing with a gun, mm-hmm. but with a bow, no, 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 no. <laughs> so, anyway, big calibers, magnums, magnums. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> kind of. You need blood. Yeah, you, you need gotta, blood. you gotta have an exit wound. 
the biggest caliber you can reliably sh shoot and accurately shoot yourself. That's what you should use. So, for me, I'm using a 35 Welland this year. It'll be fun. But, anyway, yeah. that's not why we have this podcast. So, back to base site selection. So, um, the so that was the first site. And then we moved on um, kind of closer to where I pin dropped. And then we went to... So that first site I'm calling the Moss Bait, by the way. So I've named them all. So that the first site was the Moss Bait, and then we went a little further down, probably I I think it was like two and a half miles away from that site, and we went closer to where a pin dropped, but where a pin dropped wasn't anything like it was supposed to be on the map. So we went a little further, and then we found this back trail, and. We drove down that where we could, and then we walked the rest of the way, and we found a pretty cool spot. Lots of natural food there, right by a big beaver pond. Um, it was there's there's actually a bunch of random natural food there, and then there's um we're setting up the bait in a thimbleberry patch, which is kind of cool. <clears throat> um, I've said this before, but thimbleberries are it seems like where I find thimbleberries I find a lot of bears so um so there's a big thimbleberry patch there and essentially so you go down this old not trail bits of trail and then there was like a little clearing and then it gets real thick and it was the bait sites between a, basically a bunch of alders but then the tree I selected um it's like there's like a big popple that's behind a bunch of younger popples. And so you got really, really good cover. So that that's probably, that's probably one of the top two bait sites I'm ex most excited about. I'm very optimistic about that one. I just think there's going to be a lot mm -hmm. of bears in there, but we'll see. So, so that one was kind of cool. And then, um, yeah, that one's going to be a little bit of a haul-to-haul -haul bait, too, but I, I'm i excited about it. I think if we can get bears to come in there, that's going to be a deadly sight, I think, just because of the way the tree stand's set up. I mean, they're not going to see me up there. So, no. <laughs> although, although I'm still tempted to climb up that giant uh, giant red pine. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 in the younger days, that probably would have happened. <laughs> Uh, there was there's this uh <clears throat> at that base side there's this giant red pine that's like i don't know you could probably get like 40 40 feet up <laughs> 40 50 easily. feet up easily yeah and you're i mean you'd have a clear shot of the bait site and those bears would never ever know you're there <laughs> but yeah you could have any kind of wind going there and you wouldn't have to worry about anything <laughs> nope not at all but uh yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm up for that or not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not exactly a climber <laughs> nowadays. So, but, um, so yeah, that one will be pretty cool. We went a little further, but there, the trail went a little bit further, but there was, yeah, it was pretty dry up there. So, but no, there's a bunch of different natural foods in there and, and the, the baits only, I think it's only a hundred yards from that beaver pond. So I, I think it's going to be a good spot. And then it's sort of uphill too. So whatever scent I put up there should drift all around depending on the wind. So should be able to pick some bears up in there. <clears throat> so mm -hmm. that'll be cool. And then, um, and then we pulled out of there 
And that one, that one is remote. If I, if somebody else goes back there, I, I'm gonna be shocked. That's the nice thing about all these bait sites; is they're all pretty remote. Like, shouldn't run into anybody where we're at. No. So, but, um, and then we went to we pulled around, kind of did a big loop, and went to another spot, um, and we parked where the forest service had blocked off the road and hiked in. Well, we hiked in this one spot that I, I kind of pin drop, but it was a lot drier and than I thought it just wasn't good. So we went further and we went down this one spot and it's, it's a bit of a hike in there, but, um, we, it didn't look good. It didn't look like there was a good spot to, it wasn't really thick. And there wasn't really a good spot to set up. We were almost about to turn around, but I, I told Jimmy, I said, hey, let's let's go down. I'm just going to run down here. And we went in, I went in kind of off the trail a little bit, down a natural game trail. And we ended up finding a really, really good spot. Um, it's sort of in some semi-older popples, but there's a lot of um, undergrowth in there. And found a pretty good stand tree. It's like 40 yards away from the where we're going to set the bait site up. So that's going to be pretty good. And then that spot is like surrounded on three sides by a bunch of swamps. So, and then where we were, there was a bunch of old, looked like clear cuts. And so lots of, lots of berries and stuff in there and hazelnuts. So that's going to be a, I, I think that spot's going to be pretty good too. And we, and we found some bear. Was that one of the spots we found? We found bear shit. I think at? that was the first spot that we did find bear shit at. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's. Yep. So that that yeah. So I think that's going to be a good spot because there was quite a few berries there too. And we'll we'll get in that, but I don't not that they're going to have much of an impact for season, but you know it's good there's food there right now. So there's got to be bears around. So. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a good spot. Um. And those and and kind of going back, those two spots are spots that I would traditionally like have looked at myself and go, oh yeah, this is a great spot, you know, because um, they're kind of by swamps. They're they're thicker, but there's a lot of natural foods there too. So, um, so yeah, those I liked those. Those are naturally, those are spots that I would have checked out myself for sure, or you know, not checked out but set up in. So that was mm-hmm. cool. Um, and then we went to a totally different area, um, hopping a skip away, and we went to um, the fourth spot. We went to is well, basically it was an old beaver pond. Um, no, it's not an old; it is a beaver pond. But we walked in, and, and the trail looked like it was good. And then we we started walking, and there was a bunch of alder and popple that was cut down by beavers i mean they like they did the beavers did not want anybody going down this trail at all (laughs) (laughs) it was like um it was just trees down everywhere and i was like i don't know man i don't know if we want to go through this but we found a way through and and uh got through and uh um actually that was a spot that you looked at putting a bait before right yeah, I had looked at that spot probably eight or nine years ago, and it wasn't wasn't overgrown or you know down beaver trees and stuff like that. Um, and my only 
concern at that time was it, I thought maybe a, there what there was like a 40 acres of private land way back in there. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if anybody was going back in there anymore. Um, and then I thought, you know, there traditionally once in a while there had been a couple of bear do DIY guys that had hunted that area. So I was just kind of, it's kind of at the edge of where I normally went, mm-hmm. but you know, I had noticed over the years that, you know, obviously nobody had been going in there <laughs> no. ever since I had been there. That was quite obvious. So yeah, very. <laughs> so yeah, that, that is the spot that, you know, and there was some bear shit in there. We saw too. Yep. Yep. I think was. I said, I'm surprised we haven't seen any in here. And then it was like <laughs> two steps later. Yep. There that's was right. a big pile. Yep. Yep. So that was promising for sure. So, <laughs> yep. That one, that one, and now that one would be a spot I would, I would have set up in two probably. Um, the, that one's going to be interesting with the tree setup. Cause there wasn't like, I, I think we're going to make it work, but the, the trees, it's really thick in there with those spruce, um, where we end up setting up. Um, well, we haven't set up yet, but you know, are going to set up. Um, but it's, we can get away from the bait site, but it's going to be tricky getting a, a tree stand in any of the trees. I almost thought that'd be a better ground blind spot, but I don't know. I'm, I'm on the fence about ground blinds, especially. Uh, yeah, you'd be surprised what you can get a stand in, you know, and like most of the spots we picked out, except maybe that second one, I think you really only need to get up about 10 feet. Yeah. You know? Yeah couple ladders you know that you're just one carry in your stand and then one section basically yeah yeah. and that's normally how my stands are all about 10 10 12 feet off the ground at the most yeah okay um you know so you can you'd be surprised once you get that stand in the tree and you climb up there and then you can see what you really need to nip on the ground it looks like, oh my God, I've got to clear, you know, this shooting <laughs> lane. And but yeah. once you get up in the tree and you look at it, it's almost nice if you have another person with you because you can just point out what needs to be nipped. You know, I mean, the last yeah. thing you want to be doing is, you know, clearing out a big area so you stick out like a sore thumb. Like, you know, I I prefer to to shoot through some sort of you know, window, you could say from the stand if I, if I can, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Cause you want to be but covered. Like I, as told you, you I mean, I would rather hunt a good spot somehow find a way to hunt it than drive by it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So no, that's definitely going to be a good spot. I'm, I, I'm optimistic about that one too, for sure. Especially cause it's so remote too. And uh, I mean, there's, I mean, we're right on the edge of a swamp. That one's going to be cool too, because my back is to the swamp, so they can't really circle me. Um, I mean, I guess they could, but it's doubtful they'll circle me. And, um, and then at nighttime too, the, the thermals are going to pull my scent right away from that bait. So that's going to be good. Very good. And I don't think they're going to bed that way. They're going to bed, you know, somewhere else. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm very optimistic about that spot. Um, so yeah, so that'll be good. Um, just gotta get through those, the beaver alders. 
Yeah, you'll you'll definitely have to make a little trail to get in there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Man, they did not want anybody coming in there. I mean, I don't know if they could have dropped more. It was just it was bad. But oh man. So and then and then we were running out of time, but but I, I was content with four, but Jimmy was like, No, no, let's find one more. So um so we ran we, we ch- we checked out this one spot and this this was the most su- surprising to me um i mean the first one i could see the the last one i personally would have never put a bait there um just i've never and and i've just never tried to put a bait in a spot like this but anyway so we walked down this this trail and the trail has got hazelnut i mean it is a huge hazelnut patch and it is loaded with hazelnuts um and so and that normally would have would have got me excited but the problem i not problem but the the thing that would have flagged it for me was that we we're mm, i don't know i guess we weren't that far from water from a swamp or anything but there was it was all red pines um like really tall red pines but it was thick underneath but um yeah, normally I don't really associate like red pines with, like prime like bear stand locations, but um you know, I but Jimmy was like, dude, if you don't put a stand here, I'm going to yeah. <laughs> And I was like, Okay, okay, fine, I'll put a stand here <laughs> But uh yeah, so that that's because it's it's there's a lot of there's a lot of red pine there. And I mean I found a really good bait spot. I mean it's it's perfect. I'm probably 40 yards from the bait, got really good back cover up in the tree. I don't even really need to worry about shooting lanes there. I think like one branch or something, but, um, yeah, just, I don't know if, if that spot turns out to be a killer spot, that's really going to change things, change my mind about those spots for sure. But, but you've had good luck in, in red pine stands. You've said, or yeah, I mean, I, I set up in those, um, red pine stands like that. Yep. I, I've had excellent luck in them. Um, the only thing that, you know, I think we kind of talked about it was there was a road you could what drive in with a first quarter mile, half mile. Yep. And then it came to a Y where the snowmobile trail took off, which went uphill. And then there was a, it turned into a logging road that was open but is technically closed yeah so you legally um, had to but walk it didn't look like ways. there was a lot of traffic going down it um nope not unless you're a moose you know and to me i've done this enough where that that stuff doesn't bother them um mm-hmm. i know a lot of guys get worried about the you know traffic and everything on the roads and but like I said before, you know, I mean, if it's a good spot, I'm going to try it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it'll be interesting to see, like, when you put cameras on there and you go and debate it, if, you know, a lot of times you can tell if there's, like, some vehicle traffic going by or an ATV and there's a bear at a bait because, you know, he'll be eating one second and then all of a sudden he'll stop and if you've had your camera positioned the right way, you can tell which direction he's looking, you know, I mean, yeah, I've said it before on this podcast, I've got baits literally 40, 30 yards off and using roads for, um, and I mean, well-traveled 
mm-hmm. blacktop and gravel roads for just because the spot was way too good to pass up and I can use that road as a deterrent for that bear, um, you know, from, from circling the hunter. I mean, you can, you can use roads to your advantage that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. That one probably doesn't get, you know, it, to me, it didn't look like there was many people down in there, you know, no, now during grouse season, I mean, it's definitely a spot that you want to kill the first two weeks out of before grouse season comes, because then I can almost guarantee you nobody is obeying the, you know, that you can't drive on that. <laughs> yeah, that exactly. road. Exactly. Four wheeler and side by side racetrack. Yeah. At that point. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and that's, and that kind of leads me into one of my points, you know, is, is, like that that philosophy works probably pretty well there um but it's something you'd have to be careful of in like a place like Michigan or Wisconsin where you can run hounds i'm sure the case it's the same like Idaho too but um the because the thing is like with roads if it's a if it's an area that hound hunters are and i mean nothing against them it's just that you know dogs pick they they'll you know they'll strike off a, a bear track crossing the road to go to a bear bait you know if your bear bait's right. 40 yards from the road they're going to be crossing the road so you know that's something you'd have to be careful of that you know i'm cautious of and so maybe that's why i've cuz like on the first bait right i was i was like you want to set up this close like normally I might have gone in that spot, but I would I would have hiked in a lot further, you know, because that road normally would have been a spot that if you weren't a well ways in, you'd have hounds striking off your bait, you know. But right, so I, that was something that was you know I kind of had to get out of my head like, hey, I don't have to. That's not an issue here, right? Because I'm not I'm not worried about that about vehicles driving by because I've seen that too where. Because one of my bait sites, um, actually one of my main bait sites for a long time um, in the UP, it it was not far off a trail like that. And I had, and it was, there was people that would drive by it on ATVs and actually there was a local like off-roading club that would do like, I don't know, they'd have like 10 vehicles just go around these trails every so often just mud bogging. And uh, anyway, they... um. I, I could see on the cameras where I'd have, there's actually a, it's a pretty funny picture, but I had like three bears on the bait at one time. And then you could see them all like lift their head and look in the direction of the trail. And then they yeah. all, you, you see the next picture of them all like scurrying off, you know, <laughs> and you know what was going on with somebody was driving by, <laughs> but it's actually kind of a funny photo, but uh, you know, so I, I'm not worried about like vehicle traffic, but it's always been, you know, like, hounds striking off the bait that's always been a concern of mine but that's right. not applicable to where you're at so it's some kind of to get out of my head a little bit but and we're limited to three baits you know per hunter here too so yeah. there's not just people slapping down the days of you know unlimited baits here and slapping baits down here there and everywhere is all over with i mean i'm actually i was pretty shocked that in pretty much all the places we looked at, I was very surprised that I didn't see, you know, any old, you know, bait trails nipped in off a trail or, 
mm-hmm. even old sites, you know, I, that was very surprising. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I don't really find a lot of old bait sites here really either. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Cause it's never been a area where so far. And like I talked about, you know, the people with cabins here aren't like the people with cabins, say, around Winnebagosh, Grand Rapids area, Bemidji, Leech Lake, um, over in the the lakes area part of Minnesota, because mm-hmm. those those people over there tend to be fishermen, hunters, bear hunters, you know, they're, they're more sportsmen, whereas here, it's more based on now anyways. Um, you know, canoeing, paddle boarding, mountain biking. Yeah. You know, yep. a to- it's a total 180. Bear hunting here <clears throat> locally, I should say, is not a popular activity yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah. We should probably preface that with it's a terrible bear area. You shouldn't go up there under any circumstance. At least yeah, not this bear year. Guys are complete assholes. I definitely yep. stay away. Yep, definitely. There's no bears. Uh, there's so much natural food that there's no way they're going to hit a bait. Um, yeah, definitely <laughs> stay away this year for sure. You know what? If you have a tag for this area, burn it and hunt the no quota. <laughs> That's my advice yeah. to you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm yeah. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Kind of. Stay out of my area. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm still a nice guy, but if you get too close to me. <laughs> exactly. I'm kidding. I'm very nice about it. So, you know what? If if one of you finds my bait sites, good on you. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Good on you. Yeah. Like, I did not give anything descriptive enough for you to figure out where I am. <laughs> I basically describe well, like, you know, go ahead. Like here, it's all federal land too. Yeah. I mean, 10% of the land mass is private. I would say roughly 80% is fed, the rest being state forest. Yeah. You know, probably. I, I could be wrong, but the vast majority is federal land. Yeah. Very highly reg- regulated and they do not mess around anymore. I mean, I'll say it right here. I got in trouble last year for driving on a closed road that I did not know was closed that I had been driving on for, I had no idea how long it was in a trail system that my family was involved in and uh, for cross country skiing in the winter and maintaining. Mm-hmm. And I honestly had no idea that you could not drive an ATV, a truck, or whatever on it because you literally could have drove a car down this thing. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, they had watched me going in and out of there for two weeks of baiting. And uh, we never, the, the sad part is we never went in there and hunted because oh, the wolves had taken over the two baits. Yeah. And I mean, it was kind of a shitty deal the way it went down. I had actually ran into the fed wardens, the like the second or third day of baiting, which they could have just came right out and said, Hey, you know, you, you can't be driving down that road. You know, you probably don't even know that it's not allowed for vehicle traffic. 
so you have two options either you can pull your shit out of there or you're gonna have to walk which wasn't gonna happen because they were way back in yeah yeah and that i would have been completely fine with that instead it turned into a big ordeal i didn't get fined or anything i just had gotten a they call it a formal warning they mm-hmm. they do a year-end review for outfitters and you know they sent a you know just a warning letter in the mail and with my review and uh you know i had you know i could comment on it and i had made some comments that i thought that it could have been handled different that after being an outfitter after this long and you know paying the money that i do plus being taxed that you know i as an outfitter could have been better informed like the canoe outfitters and you know those types of outfitters are and they did finally tell me that the Avenza app, like we had talked about, um, can yeah. be used on your phone without signal. You download their maps, and then it shows you every forest road that is open to, you know, from like bike traffic, horseback traffic, all the way to vehicle traffic and what kind of vehicle traffic. So, yeah, you know, it was an honest mistake on my part, but... Um, they are they are really cutting down or cutting back i should say on you know like the limbing and cutting of trees and anything like that i i know for a fact from another guide that operates on the national forest probably an hour to 45 minutes away from me um had a run-in and wound up cutting uh popple tree down for bait logs and uh he had to go to court down in duluth they consider that timber theft and you know you I mean it might be a cheap fine basically whatever the tree is worth but you know you're also missing a day of work and you got to drive down to duluth and yeah you know exactly. it's not good and, you know a fine you could wind up losing your permit and, and not getting it back so that that is one thing here i would advise and i'm not trying to shy anyone away but the superior national forest is highly regulated by the federal wardens and i mean just they they keep an eye on it i mean there's a lot of people here that do not agree with logging or any sort of um activity where you could say you're exploiting the forest for profit yeah yeah and there's a lot of people inside the Forest Service who feel that same way. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, so definitely to come up here. Be, yeah, you definitely, and I think we talked about this last year. Um, we've had a lot of blowdown, and it has led to some places being inaccessible. Well, you can cut deadwood. But just because a tree is blown over and blocking, say, a trail, and it is alive, you technically cannot cut that tree because it is still considered merchantable timber. Yeah. And you you could be in trouble. You can cut dead, but you cannot cut live. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And that, that you lead into a pretty good point there, too, because one thing I'm going to say is, you know, going up there, because, um, 
how do I want to put this? Like, like the, the areas we were going and the stuff we we're going into, right? Like I'm used to it cause I live in the UP and I'm, you know, used to, you know, being in the bush and driving rough roads and everything. But if you, if you want to come up and do it, do it yourself hunt in, you know, Northern Minnesota or, you know, Northern Michigan or even Northern Wisconsin, right? Um, you gotta be, maybe you gotta be really prepared and you gotta know what you're doing, right? Like the roads we were driving, well, for one thing, where we're at, there is zero cell service, none whatsoever. Um, I think we accidentally got like one bar the whole day, <laughs> you know, in this really random spot. Other than that, there is no cell phone service and the roads we're on, they are rough. You know, there's boulders, sharp boulders everywhere and you know, and it's a place that if you don't know what you're doing and you're driving like an idiot or you just go trailblazing off in the bush, you can get yourself in so much trouble so quick that, and you are literally miles and miles and miles from any sort of help. And I mean, these roads probably get three people to drive on them a day at most, you know? Yeah. What did we see? One vehicle? Yeah. I saw one, maybe two. Yeah, other than that one sort of mainer road, that one road had one vehicle on it. But the other one had, we had one person drive by that the moss bait when we were in there, and that was it. So, you know, if, you, if you're going to do something like this, be prepared. <laughs> you know, know what you're doing. Um, not, to, not to give free advertising to OnX here, but like when I was, when I pin dropped everything, I also downloaded their maps for offline use because there's no cell phone service there. So I had the map saved so I could pull it up and use it without cell phone service. Because otherwise, you know, you'd have nothing. Or, you know, if you got a GPS with a chip in it, um, like you've got Jimmy, you know, that's helpful. But, you know, knowing where you're at, because those roads, they're not, it's not like, you know, straight lines here, there. I mean, they're twisty, turny. You know, you might not, you can get turned around real quick. Especially if you're not yeah. used to driving back roads like that. I mean, they're they can get confusing pretty quick. So, you know, going up there, you got to be prepared, <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's, yeah, just, you know, especially if you're, you're from like farm country and you're not used to the big woods, like, you know, I'd, I'd recommend, you know, either going with a guide or going up there and, and not just showing up and, and, you know, trying it. You, you, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. So be, be prepared if you're going to do that. Don't just do it willy nilly, you know, make sure you know what you're doing. So, um, yeah, I, that there's no doubt about it. Like my, my trucks have always had 10 ply tires on them. Like I told you, I yep. carry a two ton jack in the back of my truck. My spare tire is not mounted underneath my truck. It rides in the back of my truck. Yep. Um, I carry, uh, tool set behind my seats i always always carry a chainsaw gas yeah. and oil that from the time we start baiting that stays in my truck right till the end of uh usually we're done trapping martin fisher and bobcat um that has saved my butt many a times mm-hmm. um a plug plug kit yep for your tires um yeah, I mean you and there's only two tow companies. And trust me, 
I know if you have to use one of them, you are going to pay and you are going to pay dearly. Yep. There's one of them has a Facebook page where they, they post pictures where they, they pull people out of and tow or come up to do whatever. I mean, and it's just not, you know, flat tires. I mean, you got to be careful what you're driving down because Mm -hmm. I've, I've popped a hole in a transmission pan before. Yep. Um, it ain't nothing to take a stick in the radiator tear off a brake line you mean you can really find yourself even if you're you know you might not be that far away you know you might only be say you're five miles away from a main blacktop road but if you're back in on some back road you know and you drove across uh say the beavers had the road flooded or whatever i mean you could be in for a walkabout and you know tow truck driver he's got you i mean mm-hmm. it is what it is i mean there's no doubt i mean i'm not trying to because i've been there <laughs> yeah i know what it's like to break down in the middle of nowhere and i i'm on the fire department i carry my fire radio which does not have communication everywhere good to um, and i know all the spots where a guy can pull over on a high spot or just a random spot and you might not be able to make a phone call, but you could send out a text message. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you could you could find yourself in a pickle with some some serious damage. I mean, um, ball joints, oh, yeah. bearings. You know, I mean, I carry a come along behind my seat too, as well. I mean, trust me, I know every bush move mm-hmm. to get a broke down vehicle out that will still run. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I, so a story from my last Minnesota hunt. I don't know if I've ever told it on this podcast, but me and my buddy, um, we were, so we had taken, we had, we both drove, he drove up from Minneapolis, I drove from the UP, and we had met up in the last place I was hunting, and we went sort of on this, you know, back road to go bait in his trailblazer, and it had, he, I don't know what I was thinking, but he kind of told me, he's like, yeah. I don't know, my, my lights keep, like, flickering a little bit. I'm like, that's interesting. Well, anyway, speed this story up. He, we are way back there, and his alternator was dead. And the truck, or the truck just died completely. We had no tools, we had no spare alternator, nothing. So we had to walk three miles back to my truck, drive back into town on a Saturday. Thankfully, the auto parts store was still open. We got an alternator, drove back, went, you know, and went to, had to do, replace this alternator in the middle of the bush, you know, and I mean, that was like a four or five hour delay that day. I don't think I got home till like two o'clock that morning. It was nuts, you know, I mean, that was, fortunately, we were only three miles from the truck, but, you know, it was, and we had a spare vehicle, but otherwise, man, I don't know what we would have done if that was our only vehicle, you know. So, because there was yeah, no, there I was mean, no too, cell phone here, service like here, there. Go ahead. Here where I live, I mean, everything closes at seven o'clock. Yep. For the most part, and the parts stores closes at five, and they ain't open on the weekends. Yeah. So, um, you gotta, you gotta be self sufficient and reliant. I mean, there's, I'm lucky enough to where I could, if I needed something, I could make a phone call and they would probably meet me at the store to get it. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, and 
but for the average Joe, that that's not gonna, I mean, I, Dan Infault and, and his crew, the last time they were up, they ran into some truck problems and got a hold of me and I put them in touch with somebody and they got them back on the road right away. I mean, a lot of it is who, you know, up here, mm-hmm. you know, to get, it's very tight knit community within the true local sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And two, I mean, you can't, ex- you, you know, you can't expect a tow truck driver to drive, you know, 30 miles up the sawbill trail and then another six miles in on a logging road if you're broke down and not charge you, you know yeah I mean? exactly exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly yep they're not doing all the kindness of their heart <laughs> so no you gotta it, 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 it would be no different than being in alaska you I mean you don't want to be in a rush you got to think about what you're doing you got to take your time man yep because as soon as you start driving fast and getting all in a big hurry to get to that last bait or whatever, you know, five minutes can cost you five hours. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And $500. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. That is for sure. That, uh, that is why I was driving like seven miles an hour half the time, <laughs> but that's all right. Cause I don't have 10 plies. <laughs> so yeah although the road the roads we were on weren't like awful awful for sure so actually the no thankfully there had been some timber sales back in those areas and the roads said they had been maintained yep um after i had been in there and you know and scoped out some of those spots that was more so one of the reasons why i never had hunted in that area is because the roads were just terrible you know so rough I yeah mean, you know when in doubt when when you find conditions i'm it's so easy to i mean it's nice to bait out of your truck because you can you know you can carry 10 buckets of bait you can have four or five jugs of oil you know you can fit stands in there mm-hmm. whatever you know you can drive as close to the baits as you can but when you start getting into rough logging roads or even, you know, service roads like that, fire break roads, I have resorted to, you know, just taking my ATV, hooking up a trailer to it, and something that would normally take me an hour and a half to bait, say, three bait sites or something like that, I can be in and out of there in literally a half hour. Yeah. You know? Yep. Exactly. It's just so, you know, it's a pain in the ass to haul all the shit there, but mm-hmm. you know, the, the, you know, you're not beating on your equipment and you know, you're also saving time. Cause for me, time is money. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. Man, you are like leading me right into all my good points here. I don't have like a laid out plan, but I have good topics. I have, you know, topics I want to talk about. Man, you led right into it. Is my plans to be to save time for the for the season? Like what? I, how I'm going to pull this hunt off? Because it's it's you know going back to me being insane. This is it's going to be tough to pull off from you know five hours away. So, because um, my plan is, I want to use just my truck because hauling an ATV up there and dropping it off and trying to run a bunch of baits. But I should preface this too. Um, the reason I looked for it for 
five bait sites because a buddy's coming up to hunt with me. So um, I'm not doing something illegal by trying to run five bait sites. It's I got a buddy hunting with me. So um, so that that's why we got uh, uh, that's why I was looking at five bait sites. But either way, I gotta I gotta run five bait sites, and um, it's gonna be a ton of work because essentially the way it's gonna work is you got one two weekends, and then the weekend before bear season and then that Wednesday is opener so it's a very short bait season in Minnesota but um it's gonna be a lot of work to get because my plan is just to run baits just the I can only come up on the weekend so I'm gonna come up on well I'll drive up Friday after work go camp out the night and then um get up run my baits and then go home um, do that for two weekends and the last weekend, I don't know if I'm going to stay there yet or come home and come back the day before season. I'm not sure yet. We'll see about that. But, um, anyway, so th that's why I want to use my truck though, is cause if I have to use an ATV and, you know, load it and unload it a bunch of times, it's going to cost, that's going to take so much time to do that. And plus I can't carry as much bait then in my truck. So I, I sort of opted to leave that at home and just rely on my truck. So, um, which was fine with the bait sites we picked out. I mean, there was nothing I have, there's two bait sites that are sort of a hike. I mean, they're not bad. I mean, what do you think those two bait sites were maybe quarter mile in? Yeah, they're not bad at all. No. The walks aren't, the walks are, they're nice and easy. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I've got, I've probably got a couple of bait sites offhand I can think of where, um, that are like in the middle of my bait run where sometimes I'll bring an ATV with, um, cause I might like to load them up a little more if I get behind or something. But mm -hmm. generally for the most part, I'll, you know, I'll walk in there too. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, it's, uh, um, it just gets to be like if 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 you're on a rough road and say you got three baits spread out a mile apart or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. The ATV comes in nice, but too when you when you start baiting like me, if if I start a bait site and I'm driving as close as I can with either a truck or an ATV, I mean I try to use that piece of equipment every time because mm -hmm. that you know, it's your calling card, basically, that... Yep, keep it consistent. The bear's here that, that you're dropping off bait. I mean, it, I mean, it's to say you're baiting every other day off an ATV, and then all of a sudden, for three days, you don't... Four days, you don't drive your ATV in there, you know what I mean? You are you can run the risk of either bumping bears off a of bait, or, you know, you want to keep a, you know a pretty strict routine. I mean, a year like this and last year, a guy can get away with a little more mm -hmm. um, than he normally would in a, you know, say a high food year or something like that where they don't need the food, but um, it still is, I feel probably one of the most important things is to bait the same way every time. Yep. 100% agreed and try to keep, you know, the same time frame, you know, an hour or so doesn't matter. But, you know, if you're baiting a certain bait at noon and then all of a sudden you're baiting it at five o'clock, you know, that to me is 
you can really throw them for a loop there. Yeah, yeah, you sure can. And I've done that, and man, it really messes them up bad. bad. Yeah, and I mean, you start, you start, you you bump big bears off a of bait, you know, like maybe the maybe the first, the second time you go in there and bait or something after you've established, you know, and you got two weeks or two and a half weeks. I mean, two weeks, you know, to me is not a lot, a long time to bait. No, it's not um, at all, especially if you're starting up you know new sites from scratch but Mm -hmm. you know and in my experience if you mess up on a big bear you know generally for the most part he's going to go nocturnal and a lot of times i've seen him just you know blow out and you know they're in the next county man they're they're out totally they ain't coming back exactly well like you and i were talking about those big bears they're just they're they're nomadic, you know, those really big bears, they'll come around, they'll be around for about a week at most, and then they just go. They have such huge home ranges. If you want to call them that, I mean, you know, there's like the UP Predator Prey study. I mean, they have radio collars of bears that, radio collared bears, I mean, they go hundreds of miles, you know, I mean, and they just wander, you know. So I I think... I don't know. I it's hard to keep those big bears on the bait as it is. So, and if you start, yeah, like, I mean, I I mean, I can think of a monster I had on camera last year in a spot that was super remote, um, accessed by ATV only, and then a walk, um, maybe a third of a mile in, mm-hmm. real swampy, just textbook area. Yep. Um, but never a spot that produced any like real giant bears, you know, nice bears to me, just because the spot is remote does not mean that it's the bear size is, you know, going to be any more bigger. No. Um, but I mean, I looked at the cameras that, that that night when I got home and I was like, Oh my God, look at the size of this fucking thing, you know? And yeah, exactly. uh, That was it. He was there that one day at like noon, one o'clock and he, you know, he scratched on the tree, licked the stuff on the tree, ate some bait, and that was it. <laughs> yeah. He never come back. Never seen him again. Yep. yep. And, I mean, probably one of the top three bears that I've ever pulled on a bait site up here. And, you know, yeah. on, I'm not just running 15, 20 baits. Last year I was running 55 bait sites. So, yeah. <laughs> over a, a hell of a huge area. Yeah, you got quite and, the sampling. Uh, um. Yeah, I mean, that bear was just unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. And I mean, I've had, I had a, not a full blonde bear on camera, but it was almost like a chocolate on the bottom half and the top half was like bleach blonde almost. Like, oh, that's cool. Um, and was on the bait site one day, the day before opener, spent about an hour there and never, never seen back. that bear again. Wow. Never came back. So, I mean, that just tells you that what is out there, what, you know, is not coming around or, I mean, yeah, those, those big boys, they don't have any, any natural enemies out there really when they start getting that big. No, exactly. Um, You know, pack of wolves probably make them a little bit nervous. They'll just, 
they'll just more than likely leave the area. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, exactly. They just kind of wander around, you know, other bears aren't going to mess with them. And, you know, they just kind of wander. Like maybe they, maybe they have like a circuit they run where they might only come through there maybe once a month, which when you start thinking, you know, up here, they, they really don't come out till, you know, the first part of May here because, you know, April here can be basically winter. There's nothing for them to eat when they, if they did get out here in April, because it doesn't green here, it's not green. So there's, yeah. you know, nothing for, no grass or anything for them. Yeah. Um, you know, and moose calves are a huge part of their diet here in the spring. Well, they're not born yet. Yeah. So, um, so he might only come through an area, you know, a couple times, uh, uh, a summer and fall and here i would say you know for the most part where i live there ain't too many bears running around in october um for the most part it, like if you have a low food year usually the bears that are out running around are the runts the yearlings um the ones that are just get kicked out from the mom the big ones they go down early because they know they cannot afford to burn up fat searching for food that is not there not there yeah you know what i mean so yeah you know so that you I mean and you know him you just gotta hope that either he comes through when you're hunting or he finds your bait and he sticks around but i mean last year was a low food year and i like to think that i use some of the best bait out there and yeah this guy never stuck around at all no exactly yeah it's like i said there's nothing there's nothing you can do to keep them around they just they they naturally just wander they go from food source to food source and that's it so yep i know and i think a lot of those bears are just killed by luck i mean every so often there's there's big bears that just you know hang around for whatever reason who knows why right but I think a lot of those big bears just killed, get killed randomly on base. They just show up. Oh, man, this monster just showed up. Yeah, you just happen to be sitting the one day he showed up, you know? So Yeah, I mean, I've had a couple of people kill bears like that where, you know, I can think of one right now where I had a high school kid that, you know, he texted me, I just shot a monster, and it's like, there's no monsters on that base. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, I went in there with, like, the attitude of, you know, he's probably, you know, never seen a bear before or whatever. And it's, but no, I mean, when I crawled up on that thing, my first remark is, well, we're going to need some help. (laughs) Yeah, definitely didn't, you know, and that bear just happened to be coming through opening night and yep. Just so happened. You know? Yep. Hey, what's this? (laughs) And usually if you are a young kid Mm -hmm. or a woman, that seems to be what always happens. <laughs> exactly. It certainly doesn't happen to me. <laughs> nope, it doesn't happen to me either. No, I nope, it doesn't happen to me either. I get them on camera, but but, but... for the most part, you know, big mature boars mm-hmm. are not killed by luck. They take a lot of. I mean, there's always a little bit of luck involved, but they take the right setup you know, patience, persistence, good bait, yep. and weather, 
and you you I mean if the wind is wrong you got to get out of there yep exactly you know? and, and like i told you the the thing is up here you know your app on your phone might tell you that the wind is blowing northwest but i can guarantee you 99% of the time when you get into your stand that that is not the wind direction that you are going to be dealing with. You're going to be yeah. dealing with some swirling wind or something the complete opposite. Yeah. The one thing you can, you can always say up here is you can count on the weather to change. Yep. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And I think that we set up most of your baits for some sort of westerly wind. If I South and West. Remember correctly. I mean, it is very easy. Like, you think you're looking in one direction and you're looking <laughs> in the complete opposite. You know what I mean? I did. Yeah, there's probably like three or four times you're like, that way's east, right? Like, no, that's that's north. <laughs> so, yeah, it's very easy to get turned around. Very easy. Anyway, I was able to tell it's because my the compass on my phone. <laughs> but, yep. Actually, the talking about bait too that that leads into um, the great bait shortage of twenty twenty one. I can't always talk about them. Yep, you do, and it's finally come about. I cannot believe how expensive bait is this year. It is nuts. I mean, everything's expensive, right? But man, I mean, we're talking, you know, fifty percent increases on bait. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Oh man, it's nuts. I mean, I I think we're done promoting trail mix forever. Um, so I want to point out that I've been lying for years and years. Trail mix is a terrible bait. Everyone should stop <laughs> buying it. And I want everybody to know that the real best bait is licorice. Buy that. Well, I can tell you one thing that is probably going to come the norm is the days of unless you've been dealing with somebody for a long time or it's all they're going to get in the days of getting strictly trail mix. When when I say trail mix, I mean, you know, almonds, peanuts, um, cashews, yeah, you know, M&Ms in there, uh, little pretzels. Yeah. Um, like you what know, you'd buy the dried fruit. Yeah. What you'd buy Those at the store. Days, are probably coming to an end because what you are seeing now is a lot of the bait is being cut. Mm -hmm. It's got minimal nuts in there. It's heavy on candy, cereal, dry granola, yep. small uh, marshmallows, dehydrated marshmallows. Yep. That's a big one. You know, uh, chunks of cookies, a little bit of dried fruit, uh, popcorn, and they're labeling it. Some people are calling it trail mix. A lot of guys are calling it bear mix. And they are just stretching the trail mix out. And they are charging you what you would pay for trail mix. And um, I don't want to promote any bait companies on here. But there are still a couple who say when they have trail mix or nuts, it is trail mix or nuts. Yep. And they have both informed me that they will not be selling it in bulk anymore. It will be by the barrel. And you are going to pay 110 to $120 a barrel. And Plus I barrel go fee. through two barrels of that a day. Yep. Yep. 
Oh, it's nuts. It's nuts. But I mostly use, I save my trail mix till about the last four days of baiting. And then when we start hunting, that's when I try to, you know, make my own sort of mixture and I rely on, you know, cookies and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Now, I'm shamelessly going to promote, but I made a video two years ago about how to make your own cheap homemade bear granola that is on YouTube that has way less views than it should. And you should, if you want to save some money on bait, you should definitely check out that video. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, it's bad. It's bad. I, um, I didn't even try to get actual trail mix this year. I had, I had a little bit left over from last year, like half a barrel. Cause I've tried to take your advice and at least leave some for bait shortages like this. But, um, I had like half a barrel of trail mix and then I was able to get, um, it's ground up peanuts. So I got, I got some ground up peanuts and then I got a whole tote of granola. So my plan is to use granola and then of course I've got gummies, um, some peanut butter. Um, I'm trying to think what else I've got. Um, lots of frosting. Um, I think that pretty much is most of it anyway. And, um, I'm basically going to mix that all together and, you know, use mostly granola at first, maybe a little bit of the peanut ground peanuts in there, but, um, the rest of it, you know, I'm going to try to save most of the ground peanuts and the trail mix for like right before season. So that's my plan there, but, um, should have quite a bit of bait. I got a whole tote of granola. I've got four barrel, three or four, no, three barrels of that um, peanut, ground peanuts. Um, I didn't buy it in barrels. I bought it in bags, but it's equivalent of, I filled it up. It's three barrels. So, um, so yeah, I've, plus a ton of frosting and stuff. So I should theoretically have enough bait, but my wife likes to make fun of me and points out that I always buy more bait right before season. So <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. But famous last words. Yeah. That the bait has bait prices have gone through the roof. I mean, I had one distributor tell me it, it was because when COVID kicked off and, you know, a lot of the plants had shut down. So there was, you know, nothing being made. Mm -hmm. And, um, and they had told me that, you know, a semi load of, you know, I don't know how many, poundage was in the totes but a full semi load of totes um for trail mix what they would normally pay five grand for had gone up to 10 grand yep i heard so the same thing give you gives you uh and also too there's like everybody's a bait supplier now yeah i just i just it's crazy man yep everybody but it's, i've been doing this so long i remember when you can get a 55 gallon drum of trail mix for under 50 dollars. wow man, and like oh, man. It, nobody knew like trail mix you know i mean nobody told me that that was like the best bait i just kind of figured that you know nuts yeah you know yep. trying to compete with hazelnuts or whatever you know what i mean and yep and uh you know, it, it bear hunting has really evolved in say the last ten years, man. I mean, sure has. You know, back in the day when I was just in high school uh, helping out, I mean, it was still oats and molasses and mm -hmm. you 
you know, uh, one of the guys uh, that hunted with the guy that I worked for was a friend. Uh, you know, he, he ran a bakery in a major uh, grocery. I can't remember if it was like a rainbow foods or a cub or something. So mm-hmm. he got all this um, grease when they clean out the donut makers, uh, get the fryer oil, frosting unlimited uh pastries and breads and stuff like that you know and which that stuff is still an excellent base you know but man, yeah you don't you don't really hear too much about i mean there is a few guys that are still die hard into the oats and molasses and corn and mm-hmm. and stuff like that i mean don't get me wrong it works it's to me though it's more of a filler bait than, yeah. than anything and you know corn prices you know they're i mean to me twenty dollars i don't I think it was about 20 bucks, 19 maybe for a hundred pound feed sack, a whole corn. Okay. Which that's, that's still pretty spendy. Yeah, that is, that is well, because like a, a hundred pound feed sack, it takes about three of those to fill a barrel. So you're still looking at 60 bucks to fill a barrel with yeah. straight grain, yeah. no fillers or whatever. So I mean, even so. I mean, even my homemade bear granola. I mean, you're looking at. You're still gonna spend eighty bucks a barrel on that right now, you know. Which I mean, it's cheap for what's going on, but. Right, and two the 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 thing is, is the stuff is available. That's part yeah of the problem. Right, there's a lot of this. The real good stuff is not available. No, you, you can't know? get it. I mean, there's the probably the biggest bait dealer in my area. I'm not going to name his name because he's got enough business, but, um, you know, he's not even selling it. He's selling what he's calling nuts and seeds, which looks mostly like seeds. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's it. Right. He doesn't have anything else. He doesn't have anything else for trail mix. I mean, he's got other stuff too, but I mean, his selection is way down from what I've seen, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. It'll but, be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah. You know, Post COVID here. Yeah things get back to normal but you know usually once prices go up on stuff like that they generally don't come back down in price no. which you know is going to lead me to i'm already going to make some drastic changes for next year on my price structure and the way you know i do business i mean there's there's no doubt about it there's going to be some it's probably going to scare a few people off but you know the 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 you know it's not like bear guiding is not like and i've guided fishermen and everything else okay so you once you buy your boat your electronics your fishing rods and you're set up you know outside of buying some tackle your gas maintenance you know and your insurance live bait you're pretty you you're pretty much set you know to be a bear guide you know i'm constantly buying cameras sd cards batteries you gotta i you know thousands and thousands of dollars i mean i could have um i could put unlimited 12 inch hummingbird lcd screens in my boat for what yeah. I spend in bait every year, you know what I mean? Yeah, no kidding. Um, and tree stands need to be upgraded. Yeah. Um, ratchet straps. I mean, I 
spend hundreds of dollars a year on ratchet straps. Um, you know, it's, 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 a it's a very expensive venture to get into. Yeah. Not okay. a, you know, um, cause you constantly, you know, bait obviously is going to be your biggest expense in a, in trail cameras too. I mean, I always buy, you know, at least six to 10 trail cameras, new ones, which, you know, to replace ones that go bad. Um, yeah. but one good thing is now the cheaper trail cameras are, you know, starting to get a little more reliable. And, you know, to me, they're just, you know, a throwaway device. Once they go, I, you know, I just pitch them. Yeah. Yeah. Easier for me. Once they start having problems, I just throw them away and get some more. And yep. everybody exactly. says, well, yeah, but you get to write it off. Well, you know what? I still had to buy it. Yeah, exactly. And you exactly. don't get to write off a hundred percent of it, you know? No, exactly. Exactly. So, yep. No, I hear you. No. And I think that's how it's going to, it's going to have to be that way. You know, prices going up. I mean, everything. Have, they, they are over. I mean, it's, it's approaching four dollars a gallon here. Almost. Yeah, I think by next season, it, if it's not four dollars, four dollars a gallon, I'll be shocked. I mean, that's double the cost of what it was last year. You know, it was a dollar forty-eight, I believe, wow. last year. Wow, when we started baiting, so I think double. it crept up a little because we're a tourist town. I could be off a quarter or something like that a gallon, but right, but it still, because I, I know last year was the cheapest. I because I baited through the five dollar a gallon years. Yeah, um, yeah. It was the cheapest I had seen it in a long, long time. Yep, exactly. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Not good. Not. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, you start spending so much money on, you know, shooting a bear, and I mean, it's going to dissuade people from doing it. You know. I mean, I, I love doing it, so I'll always do it, but, I mean, if I got to spend $1,000 on bait just to shoot a bear, it's like, huh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know what and I mean? That's got to go to the taxidermist. <laughs> yeah, that's got to go to the taxidermist, and, yeah, no kidding. Most of my bear hides get, just get tanned anyway nowadays, but, ugh, I know, it's, I don't know. It's gonna go back. No, I, I mean, I, I mean, you might have a, you might have a total blowback though. I mean, if it gets that bad, you might just end up where a lot of guys are trying to do oats and molasses again. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I've I've pretty much put it out there that my prices are gonna go up, and yep. I haven't. I've had a lot of people say that they understand, or you're you know, yeah, you were too generous to begin with. You know, I always tried to keep it affordable for the average guy and two it's minnesota and i you know i firmly believe that there is a ceiling on the price that you can charge for a minnesota bear hunt some people might not agree with that but that's just my feelings on it man and it, yeah and another thing i mean if you're if you're finding an outfitter in minnesota that's charging six hundred dollars for i mean even under a thousand bucks some all inconclusive yeah, there is no way in hell that mm-hmm. that guy is carrying any sort of liability insurance, is buying good bait, or is putting forth an effort. And if he is, he's one dumb bastard. Yep. Because <laughs> there's he, just 
And you're making money. Just, I mean, I cut a check to the Forest Service at the end of the year before I even pay taxes to their like usage fee. Mm-hmm. That cost, depending on how many guys I have, can cost me one fully guided hunt. Yeah, exactly. It's just so, and that 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 I believe that three percent goes across the board to any national forest. I think it might work different out west, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of cost associated with with bear hunting and guiding. I mean, it's it's expensive sport, and that's why I think it's so competitive. And guys get pissed off if, you know, this guy's too close to me or mm-hmm. this guy stole my bait site. You know, the the whole, uh, that like we talked about, the best line of it all. I, I don't know how many <laughs> times I've heard this. Is, I've been hunting him for 30 years. I'm so-and-so. Well, who the hell are you? Because I live here and I've never seen you before in my life. Well, we've been here for 30 years. Well, no, you haven't. <laughs> It's always 30 years, too. It's not, I've been here for 20 or It is. Uh, it's always 30 years. years. Yep. <laughs> I'm well, so how and old so. Are you, you know? <laughs> I've been hunting here for 30 years. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, that doesn't excuse the fact that we've been here for two weeks and you showed up the day before opener and set up a blind right. 100 yards exactly. from me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But too funny. Too funny. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, I was gonna ask you what. Yeah. So, like, what did you think? You know, of my area compared to what? How does it compare to your area of the UP as far as landscape? Okay, so I've only been to the UP once. Yeah. Yep. So here's so here's so where you're at is a hundred percent boreal forest, right? Where I'm at is um probably 50 50 so i've got a lot of boreal forest i mean you know it's it's fringe moose habitat for instance um there's some moose around us not a ton but there's some but there's a lot of whitetails um and so you you get you know i still have oaks and maples around me and some other hardwood trees but for the most part you know we're in that sort of borderland so I guess what's different, and this is this was the biggest thing that struck me because I I had a lot of time to ponder it on the way home. Like, you know, what did I learned today from Jimmy, and what you know, why was he picking the spots that he was, or why did he like this spot versus, you know, what I what the stuff that he was looking at versus what I would typically look at, right? And what I I sort of the conclusion was it's not necessarily the area, it's the time of year I'm hunting, right? Because I'm always hunting that late season Michigan hunt where the hunt doesn't start till September 25th or I think it's always the 25th still. But um, anyway, they, um, I'm just saying, the, you know, the thing, the thing about that time of year is it's right at the tail end when bears are really active and there's only one main food source for them, and that's oaks. You know, the, the the acorns dropping from oaks. And so my focus is always, okay, if I can find oaks, I can find bears. And it's not just any oaks. i got to find, like, a certain particular oak stand to, to hunt. You know, if it's, like, real dry, the bears aren't going to be there. If it's real high up, the bears aren't going to be there. But if it's an oak stand near, you know, like, a cedar swamp, that's, like, 
perfect for me, right? But I got to find those oak stands because otherwise the bears won't be there. You know, if I'm hunting a berry patch or that just has like berries and hazelnuts, you know, that might work in September 10th when first season opens for Michigan. But what I've found many times over is that if once those acorns start dropping, those those bears naturally leave those areas for a while. They might come back later, but um and so you know i have to focus on those areas so that's why i you know when i was driving around I'm thinking food 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 you know and you were thinking more cover and and i guess what i i had to like remind myself is there's natural food everywhere when we're hunting september 1st here and so really i gotta find cover because the bears will sacrifice a little bit of cover to go feed on those acorns during you know michigan's late season Whereas that's not a thing, <laughs> you know, the time that we're hunting in, in Minnesota and, you know, the, the, the weather, I mean, it's still early. So right. I think that was the big takeaway was that, you know, the reason I think the way I do is because of the season I hunt. Sometimes I got to personally like break out of that a little bit and get back to more traditional, like, Hey, cover, cover, cover water, you know, foods everywhere. Don't worry about that. You know, so that was the big takeaway I, I got, took from it anyway was, you know, that. Because otherwise, terrain-wise, I mean, other than I have hardwoods, which doesn't really play a factor. Like, like if, we had a, if we had a hunt September 1st in Michigan, I'd probably be looking at the same spots you are, you know. Because um, honestly, the bears like the, the thicker, like, boreal forest stuff. That's the kind of stuff bears like to hang out in anyway. You know, they're not into hardwoods. They don't, you know, <laughs> bears don't hang out in maple stands or oak stands. You know, they hang out in, you know, spruce and hemlock swamps and cedar swamps and that sort of stuff. So, um, I mean, if it's near a big berry patch, it's a bonus, but that's not, you know, some I really have to focus on. So. Right. But, yeah. So, that was, that was kind of the big takeaway. But, I mean, it's, it's definitely... It's definitely a little different, um, but close enough to where I could manage, right? But because I mean, we don't have any like ag or anything by me either, so that's not a concern. So right, but so which which we don't have any any ag here, any oaks? No, no. Basically, our our bears are. Driven by hazelnuts, berries, mushrooms, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Um, looking at my list here, make sure I covered all the season plan stuff. Well, well, I guess let, let's let's talk about the forecast a little bit. This the season forecast. We've touched on it quite a bit, but. It was very evident driving around that it is dry, dry, dry there. And there's the berries are already on, like the raspberries, and um, which means they're going to be gone in, I mean, no more than two weeks, I'd imagine, right? Do you agree with that statement? Yeah, by, the time we, so. by the time we start baiting, there's going to be no berries, is my guess. And what what raspberries are out there, is completely irrelevant yeah i mean it's the crop is terrible 
Right. It's next to nothing. Blueberries are. I didn't see it. We saw what? Two. Nothing. Yeah. Like two yeah, blueberries. Tiny. <laughs> yeah. Dry. The, you know, the, the hazelnut crop is excellent. I would yeah. say. Yeah. There's definitely um, hazelnuts. I don't think that um, Mount Nash are going to play much of a factor either. No. So. I mean, there was definitely some mountain ash, but I don't know. The the bush, well, who knows? I mean, because, I mean, I was looking at the forecast. It's basically bone dry there for another two weeks, right? So, I don't know. Um, but I, who knows what the mountain ash does? I mean, there there was some on the bushes for sure, but, I mean, that that's such a small thing anyway. It's not like a huge, you know, it's not like the oak drop in, in you know, the... Michigan or Wisconsin or Southern Minnesota where, you know, there's all kinds of food. I mean, we're talking a very limited food source. So, I mean, I guess if you want to go find a mountain ash stand to hunt, I mean, I don't know, maybe there'll be, maybe it'll be some, I don't know, but. I've only seen the mountain ash come into play a couple of different times. And that's for the most part when there's not a lot of, of anything else mm -hmm. that'll, they'll come into play. Um, and I will say that the one year that there was, I mean, we had a hell of a crop of mountain ash and we did, we did really well on the bears, but man, they were gorging themselves on them things and they were actively feeding. Like when we were going in to drop hunters, they were, you know, on the side roads and everything bending down the branches and their guts were plumb full of them, but mm -hmm. they, they don't really get like. Like I say, it's only been a couple of times that I've seen where they've come into play. And the hazelnuts that are out there, there might be, you know, there's there's a lot of them. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, like we talked about, between the chipmunks, squirrels, deer eat them, bear, yeah. moose. They go fast. They ain't going to last. It's not no. going to last long. No, I'm... I mean, we were in, I mean, the the last stand we were in, I mean, that that's right in the middle of a pretty decent-sized hazelnut patch. But, I mean, it's it's one of those patches that's like, okay, if a bear went through there, right, a single bear, I mean, they're going to feed on it for, I mean, maybe a night, and right. there's not going to be any left, and they're still going to be hungry. I mean, it's not like they're eating, you know, a thousand pounds of hazelnuts. They're eating, like, I don't know, I mean... Maybe there's a couple gallons of hazelnuts in that patch. You know, that's that's gonna feed one bear. You know, that's that's not yeah. a significant thing, and that's that's assuming no squirrels or chipmunks or anything else gets to it, right? Which is not true. So yeah, you know, I, I mean, just... sow with cubs go into something like that and <laughs> it's devour the whole, all of it in one day, you yeah, know, one night, yeah. So I'm not the natural food this year, um, and I. Well, up there for sure, it's terrible. So, I mean, I think we're in for a, I mean, knock on wood here, but I think we're in for a awesome year for to have a bear tag. Um, the rest of the Great Lakes region, um, it's looking pretty much the same. I mean, the in the UP, the raspberries are already, they're probably already past, yeah, they're peak right now, which is honestly a month early. I mean, not that they ever play a role in the hunt, but... You know, it's just sort of an indicator like, okay, the, you know, they're early, There's they're not that good, which means that the bears are going to be hungry, right? Um, 
there is the the food sources I've seen that are sort of okay, at least for now. There is choke cherry, and depending on the area you're in, there's a lot some areas. Um, I was up camping in the Huron Mountains, and there's a lot of black cherry this year for whatever reason they're doing well. Um, so mm-hmm. if you have a first season Michigan tag, that would actually be a food source to look at is if you can find a stand of like black cherry, that'll probably come into play a little bit. Um, from what I've seen. Um, I mean, it's not every area cause certainly a lot of the black cherries around me have dried up. Um, but I think especially closer to Lake Superior, if you, if you can find a black cherry stand, that might be helpful. Um, I think I haven't looked at acorns closely, but from what I hear, there, there's going to be some acorns at least. So, I mean, you know, obviously if you have a late season tag, hunt the oaks as usual. Um, but overall, I mean, the natural food's low for sure. So, um, the one thing I, I think about that though, is it makes me wonder if the bears are going to, cause last year there was a lot of, there, there was no natural food again. And the bears kind of shut down early. I mean, it was around September 20th that the Bears just, because it seems like every year there's something that just clicks and they just shut down. They start going completely nocturnal. They stop eating um, a lot. And that happened last year around September 20th. So I'm a little concerned that if you have a late season tag, that may happen again. Because sometimes when there's a lot of natural food, it kind of keeps the Bears going for a while. Um so I don't know. We'll have to see, but um, that's neither here here nor there. I'm just kind of guessing, but um, yeah. So, but for the most part, there's not a whole lot of natural food. So, if you especially have an early season tag, I think you're going to do really well at the base, and you can get away with a lot more too, which is nice. So these bait shortages won't be as much of a big deal because you know you're not competing with natural foods. So yeah, I mean, I would say too that. You know, Minnesota had one hell of a harvest last year all across the state. Uh-huh. Uh, no natural food, a lot of bears shot. I think the year before was pretty low. Yeah. Not exactly sure. But I know last year was really high. They're concerned. There was a lot of concern that there would be tags dropped. I think it was one of the, hard, the highest, you know, it was probably in like the top. I'm going to say top five because I know it was for sure. It might even been more. So there wasn't a lot of natural food. There's a lot of bear shot of all varieties. Um, So don't be surprised too if there isn't as many bears around in the area that you hunt because, you know, that can take a toll on them and also you know the females go through delayed implantation where you know if they if they go into den they will actually almost well it is it's like they'll abort Mm -hmm. blastocyst which is you know they, they carry you know they go through the delayed implantation so if their body isn't strong enough to have cubs it basically aborts that yep implantation yep um i've only you know photography is real big here we got a 
quite a few wildlife photographers who spend a lot of time in the woods and I've only seen them post a few photos of sows with cubs mm-hmm. and of the bears that I've seen this year out and about, I have not seen any sows with cubs. Um, there is a few, some nuisance complaints starting to trickle in. I finally got a bear at my house here. He's, uh, <laughs> behaving himself i just got a notification about 20 minutes ago on my phone that he walked down my driveway (laughs) you know nothing nothing real serious yet so you know that's another thing to keep in mind which you know maybe this year will still be good because they'll be hitting the baits but you know that can also affect down so yeah yeah you know, the the bear populations are completely, well, I shouldn't say completely, but, you know, a lot of it is determined by hunter kill. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're not like deer so, that they rebound know, super quick, you know. They do not rebound fast, and I believe they do not, females do not reproduce until they're about, I want to say, five years of age. I could be wrong, but I yeah. think it's somewhere in that. Yeah, I think it range, it so. varies where you're at. It depends on how how good the habitat is for bears, but um, right. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't if there, it's it may not be till five up there. You're probably right about that. So, so yeah. I mean that that's one thing to keep in mind too. So I mean, yeah. you know, I would. I'm always cautiously optimistic. My my success is always based upon hunter accuracy more mm. than anything. Yeah. Yeah. And natural foods too is, is driven. And like I say, the only thing that really screws up us up is hazelnuts. And unfortunately, if you are hunting the first week with me, that can be a downfall, you know, weather yeah. too, you know, if you get yeah. cold front or whatever can sh- can shut them down you know? yeah exactly. i always say i i think bears move better on nice sunny days beautiful fall days than they do cold and or even cool weather you know what i mean they they are really you know last year we got a really nasty cold front and just gross weather Kind of at the beginning of our, well, be my second, second round of hunters. And it really affected me for like probably three or four days and guys were getting, you know, it shot a couple bears, but, um, I just kept saying to them, you know, we just need the weather to break and, you know, we're going to have, it's going to be, you know, we'll, we'll get some sightings and we'll get some shooting and, and it did, man, it, when we finally got a nice like 70 degree sunny day and I told them guys, we need to go now. We need to be in the stands and we shot five bears. Oh, that one night, every single one of them dressed out well over 200 pounds. I mean, just beautiful boars, you know, I mean, that's one thing you gotta, you gotta have a little patience with the, with the weather yep definitely the weather you know that like i say the hazelnuts but it's it's like any if if, if you're a guy doing it on your own you know it, 
you just got to put in your time. Yep, exactly. And they're usually here. They're ripe about, it seems like clockwork, two days before you start hunting, (laughs) three days. It's like your baits, the bears just leave. You know what I mean? But they filter back through. But like I say, if you're hunting the first week with an outfitter or something, it's no different than the acorns falling in another part of the state hunting with an outfitter for five first week you know so i mean i'm always up front with the guys you know like it's you know i can kind of predict what's going to happen but you know this hey this is this is the risk you run sometimes the second week can be a lot better i think we filled out 100 percent on the second week last year yep yeah it all depends it all depends on the year it's, yeah it's just a roll of the dice i mean so um and two of the you know that you got to look in Minnesota where that uh, Labor Day is going to fall with in regards to the weekend as well. Because you get a long weekend in there, just means more people in the woods, more bikes, more ATVs, more camping, more people. This year, I think it will not be as bad as in years past, as I've seen it simply because of the fire situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I've seen just the pressure from, you know, like the season opening up on a Friday, you know, and everybody comes up Thursday night and then you have people all over in the woods for that opening weekend. And then you get, they go home Sunday and Monday and Tuesday are really good, good hunting days. You know what I mean? Yep, they don't, exactly. They don't necessarily need to be on top of your bait sites. It's just more activity in the woods. Yeah, you know? exactly. That that's something personally I found is is the to try to avoid just random person pressure. You know what I mean? Like I've had that personally yep. mess up my baits big time. Where just people in the woods, you know, it, it changes the bears' patterns. They they there's suddenly an influx of people in the woods, and they go. Yeah, I don't know what's going on, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna hide out for a little bit. So, right. Yep. And people do show up in the damnedest places too. So, <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course. Yep. Yeah. So I get options. I would say Minnesota's probably going to generally fall within what happened last year, as far as it'll probably be a another good year. Yep. Yep. Shaping up that way, anyway. Yep. I've I'm... heard too the reports that I've gotten from some other guides and buddies of mine is that the acorns are like spotty in some areas and okay in others yeah yeah. nothing really outstanding you know that's pretty much the case with all the natural food this year you know it all depends on where you go so yeah i mean even the hazelnuts i mean you know there were some areas that they were loaded and then there was other areas that they were you know meh so it all depends but Yep. So, yep, for sure. You can't kill them laid up on the couch. That's for no, sure. No, you, you know what? Them. I say this all the you time. Get out and do it. <laughs> I, I say this all the time. Bad attitudes save more bears than anything else. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yep. There's bad a... attitudes and cell phones. <laughs> yep. Yep. Staff your cell save phone. A lot of, lot of bears hides. Yep. Exactly. Good news is that there's no cell phone service at any of my stands, so that's not going to be a problem with me. 
<laughs> so yeah, yeah, I know how that goes. Knowing my luck, yeah, every oh, I was gonna say, knowing knowing my luck is, you know, I'm not gonna have any cell phone service, and I'm gonna shoot just that that huge bear this year, and I'm gonna have to drag it out by myself. <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be what happens this year. Although it leads into my season goals, so I you know this year I'm not really. I don't know. This is so. Uh, this hunt. This is my. If I shoot this a bear this year, it's going to be my tenth bear. It'll be the last bear to complete my. <laughs> sounds so stupid. I'm, but hey, people make up random slams for everything all the time. So I'm calling this the Lake Superior Bear Slam. Um, I will have killed a bear in every state and province that borders Lake Superior. If I kill a bear in Minnesota this year, so. Um, I don't know anybody else that's done that, so um, I'm coining it, Lake Superior Bear Slam, and uh, that's that's my goal is to get a bear to finish the slam. So, um, you know, my goal is to not shoot a yearling, but um, I'm certainly not going to pass up a 150-pound eh, bear in that range anyway. Of course, I'm going to take a right. photo and make it look bigger than it is, and... You know, I'm just not going to say the weight of what it is, but <laughs> like everybody else does. Yeah, I think it was about 400 pounds. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, for as long as you have to wait for a tag. Yeah. It seems everywhere now. I mean, yeah, it's hard not to, I mean, guys want to fill their tags. I mean, yeah. You know, you start creeping up there in age, man. Yeah. You get a lot of guys that say, you know, I've only got so much time left. I'm shooting the first legal one I, you know, I can. Yeah, exactly. There's no shame in that, too. I mean, it all depends on what you personally want to do. If you want to sit there and, and trophy hunt, cool. Good for you. If you want to shoot a bear, right. good for you. You know, as long as it's legal. But, yep. For me... I don't know where I'm at right now. I just want to shoot. I mean, I don't want to shoot a you know hundred pound bear or anything, but um, I'm certainly not gonna be very picky this year. You know, I I just want some bear meat and another another hide to hang over a couch. That's <laughs> my plan. Yeah. And if it so happens to be a monster, cool. All right, we'll reevaluate then. But you know, I'm not I'm not heading setting high expectations by any means. So. But and two, we we never really talk about this much, but man, if you are thinking about hunting Minnesota or anywhere, just start building your points because it's starting to take longer and longer to get drawn. Yep. And with the border being closed now, it sounds like it's gonna open. Yeah, this September for vaccinated people, but last year and even this this year, because nobody knew if they were going to get in, there had been guys building points over the last decade and hunting in Canada every fall, or you know, going to Wisconsin or Michigan or wherever, and they're cashing in them points now that they can't go to Canada, and like I told you over the weekend i mean i had a group with like 10 or 12 points eight points like just crazy numbers and that had skewed 
and screwed up mm-hmm. um, draws for guys that were planning on coming to hunt with me because they would have had their fourth point. Yep, exactly. And four points was normally a hundred percent draw here, but it it turned out it wasn't. You know, five was a guaranteed. Yeah, you know. Yep. So I drew it four and, points. So. Yeah, so that is something to think about if you are, I mean, it only costs you five you bucks, know, a couple bucks to, to buy points. So I always tell people to buy points. Um, and it, it just, it is what it is. I know some zones in Minnesota, it's even longer wait to, to get a tag. And the way it's playing out too is, you know, you get another year of high harvest. Mm-hmm. They're going to cut know, tags. No telling. Yeah, there's no telling what they're going to do. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I mean, if you you can go on on you can go on the DNR website and you can look at you know the harvest breakdown per zone. I mean, right down to like because they when you register a bear, they break it down into like a deer permit zone, which kind of shrinks the area down, and they can look at an area and even get a better idea um you start getting some high harvest man and a lot of females start getting taken and i can guarantee you they'll start dropping the tags yeah exactly exactly makes sense yeah so i'm it it uh that can be the one fallback of of good hunting for sure for sure but Either way, no, but I, it's it's good time to be a bear hunter. That's for sure. I guess. Oh, for <laughs> sure, for sure. I can't wait, man. We got two and a half weeks till baiting season. I'm I'm getting pumped. Um, my plan is I'm coming up baiting the two weekends, and then I guess it depends on how the baits are looking. Is my plan. So if the baits are just on fire, and it looks like you know, um, it's going to be you know, I reasonably should be able to get a bear down in a few days. Um, I'm probably going to just stay up that, come to bait that third weekend and then just stay up and hang out for camp and, you know, run baits and, and then just, uh, maybe do a little fishing and then go hunt. Um, and, but if it's looking like, you know, the baits are slow and it's going to be a little bit of a grind, I'll probably come up bait that third weekend, go home and then come back the day before opener. So, um, reason for that is I got young kids and leaving my wife with three young kids for 10, 12 days is cruel and unusual punishment. Sure, so your way to put yourself <laughs> in the doghouse. <laughs> exactly. I'll be grounded for a long time. So I don't want to do that. So I'm, I'm, I'm being, being a smart husband and, uh, not doing that. But anyway, either way, um, I'm looking forward to bear camp. It's going to be a good time. We got, uh, Mr. Mike Foss coming up. He was supposed to come up with us this weekend, but apparently he wanted to hang out at some family reunion or something silly like that. So he didn't come and yeah. hang out. What a loser. I'm kidding. He's been he's been texting me through this podcast too. Been... <laughs> Has he? I texted him this yeah. morning. Yeah, I texted him this morning, so <laughs> He's getting antsy. Yeah, oh yeah. I he's think coming he, I... up uh two Saturdays from now and dropping off some yep. supplies. So Yep, he's He's definitely a little antsy, but <laughs> he's excited. He's really excited. I was texting him this morning, so he uh, 
Oh, I mean, he's so used to baiting Wisconsin, you know, and, and getting to bait all summer. He's got to wait till the middle of August. I mean, that's going to kill him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's going to be a complete 180. Yeah. He's used to so yeah, yeah he, definitely. He even asked me today. He's like, "So, do I, how much private land are we hunting?" I'm like, "Mike, there's no private land on here, really." <laughs> well, he asked me. He's asked me. So, what is the what? He he asked me today. Um, so uh, just a little background for everybody. I um I hunted. Um, Mike Fawcett invited me to hunt his area back in 2019, and he kind of showed me some of his traditional bait sites, and I ran those bait sites and you know, do it yourself hunt, but you know, kind of in his area. And, uh, I ended up shooting a nice bear and it was a great, great bear season there. But, uh, so I'm very familiar with Mike's area and, uh, it's quite a bit different than, than, uh, where we're hunting this year. It's, you know, his area, there's a lot more, um, ag and ag apple orchards and, uh, you know, a lot of private land and stuff. Um, where this is just, I mean, basically Canada, you know, it's basically northern Canada, so it uh, it's quite a bit different. So it'll be it'll be fun. I think he'll he'll have a lot of fun. It's just different for him. So yeah, but, it, it's not all about killing a bear either. I no, mean, it's about know, the experience. The, I, you know, the the longer I have guided, I think we've talked about this before. It, the days of going like. 10 for 10 and 12 for 12 and 15 for 15, even, um, you know, 20 for 25 guys. Um, it just seems like it, it's a, it's a whole different breed of bear hunter now and bear hunting. And I think a lot of that has come from TV and YouTube where yep. great editing has made, you know, shooting a bear look easy, super easy. Yeah. Like you and I were talking about it's further from the truth. Yeah. I mean, the thing, the thing that people don't realize is, you know, I mean, I'm, I've never hunted, you know, some of these primo areas in like Manitoba and Saskatchewan. Right. So I don't know, but for the vast majority of it, right. You're seeing what people, like, the very best day that, you know, are is what's getting shown on video, or the highlights, right? Who knows if it's even the whole same day. It might be multiple days where, you know, they're making it look like a lot of bears are coming in. But in reality, I mean, shooting a bear is not a slam dunk like people make it out to be. And those videos make it look so, like, so easy. Oh yeah, there. I got a bunch of bears coming in. I'm gonna pass up all these bears, and okay, oh, there's this monster. And, all right, I'm gonna blast with my bow, and cool, you know. But that's that's not for for the vast majority of the bear hunting folks are doing. You know, that's not the case. So, no, I mean, it, nothing could be. You know, even with a low mass gear like this, does not mean it's going to be easy no. by any stretch of the no. imagination. I don't know offhand what the percentage for kill was last year in Minnesota, but I can tell you it wasn't a hundred percent. It no. wasn't 75. It wasn't 65. And I, I think it, I don't even think it was 50%. Right. So that right. should give you a very good idea of 
just how difficult it can be. And there's a, you know, and if you're going and hunting with an outfitter too, there's, there's a big difference between running three baits by yourself in hunting than an outfitter running 30 baits for 10 clients. He's got to deal with 10 personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not all them guys are going to be good hunters. Nope. Let alone great. Mm-hmm. Um, and the skill level is, you know, going to vary greatly. I would say, you know, my business is pretty much built on repeat now, but I do get a few um, new people every year that haven't bear hunted. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, they're, they're overwhelmed. I, I wouldn't say they're, you, you could say they're scared, nervous. Yeah. I mean, it's nervous, a very probably intimidating animal to them. Yeah. Because what they see on TV. It's, you know, last light, it's, you know, it's, it's different. I mean, yeah. So, you know, if you, you got to think of that when you, I mean, when you go into a guide camp, you know, because you hear a lot of stuff about all the, you know, this guy's a horrible guide or whatever, you know, we didn't see, didn't see anything. And, and I always alluded back to like, well, we put you on a bait where we think you're going to have the best success because the bears are coming in during daylight hours. Yep. We've already done our part. It's now in your hands. So, yep, exactly. I can't magically make them come in. I wish I could, but I can't. Yep, exactly. I mean, I myself, the last bear that I shot, I think I sat for, five nights, six nights, you know, I didn't put in like four or five hour sits or anything, but I definitely played hide and seek with that bear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it ain't shooting fish in a barrel. I mean, no, you still, you in, in, in like anything else, he who puts in his time in the tree stand is going to be successful. Yep. You know, exactly. if you don't see anything after the first couple nights that, I've seen this so many times, like I've been guilty of it myself. Now mm-hmm. it's just like, I met you're, you're sitting three or four nights. There's no jumping around because the, this, the day we jump around and I go back in and check that camera, there's going to be a random the day. Bait. The bear comes in. Yep. When exactly. we're not sitting there. I mean, it's just a no, I mean, I hundreds of times that has happened to me. Yep. Exactly. And that's why I fall victim to it because I'm trying to make sure everybody, everybody gets a bear. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I say bad attitudes save bears. Yep. I mean, the worst, we talked about this. One person's bad attitude can ruin a whole bear camp. Yep, exactly. And if you're, if you got a bad attitude, it's going to, you're not going to be successful No. and listen to your guide. I mean, you hired them. Yeah, exactly. You you know what I mean? I, it's, I always tell people in our pre hunt meeting, if you listen to me, 
and you do what I tell you, you're going to be successful. Yep. If not, you're not going to be successful. Yep. Exactly. And two, there's a, there's a fine line there where if you're, and I've seen this when I've been on guided hunts too, is like, if you're going to, if you don't have any faith in your guide or you're going to argue and question with them at sooner, there's going to be a breaking point where he's just going to say this on this guy, yeah, you know, exactly. You just can't wait to get rid of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, for sure. But it's going to be fun. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm I am excited. too. I am too. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a fun bear camp. Um, I'll be there. Mike Foss will be there. You'll be there. It'll be a good time. Who knows? Maybe we can even get Dan and Fault to come up one night. Who knows? Yep. Dan won't be too. Dan won't be too far away. So maybe no. we can. Maybe we'll just go crash him up. Maybe he can bring one of those fancy stands up. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That would be cool. Maybe we'll just crash his camp. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll do that one night. Yeah. Figure out where he is. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure out something. I know Dan doesn't listen to podcasts, so we can just talk about him all we want. He won't even know. <laughs> yeah, he's a busy man right now. He is. He is. So, other than that, I'm excited, man. It's going to be a good time. It was a good weekend, and I can't wait to get up there bear hunting, bear baiting even. It's going to be a good time. So, but, yeah, anything else I didn't touch on? I think we covered pretty much everything yeah i i can't think of anything else okay. i'm just uh i'm standing out on my deck here i gotta i got a bear trying his best to <laughs> is rummage, he a... rummage rummage into my uh trail mix that's the one nice thing about cell cameras yeah <laughs> that's funny is he actually there right now yeah, I just walked out on my deck because I got another notification on my phone here. And, uh, yeah, I kept hearing the door open. I thought, man, what is he doing? <laughs> yeah, I was looking out there. I was getting that. That's funny. That's funny. Man, we're, we're the, I've never done this before. A podcast during a live bear hunt. <laughs> I hope he just behaves himself. Exactly. For his, for his sake. Exactly. I mean, he is not a bad bear. I would definitely shoot him. And... No, I mean, I just, I just really got a good look at him right now, and I would say he's an easy two fifty. Oh, least. really? I mean, okay. It's a really nice bear. So we were being a really little... nice bear. So we were being conservative on the numbers there, man. Yeah. This... No. I don't know. Do you think there's a good tree? I... It looks like he has some pretty nice trees to set up a stand in your yard. There's already one up there. Um, okay. I got a, like a little three D um target range set up too in that area okay and the tree stand just stays up there but i i have a uh, like a glendell buck target and then yeah. i have a um a bear target and uh, one i can't remember if it was last year or the year before i went out there and the uh the deer totally was gone the only <laughs> thing that was left were the two plastic legs everything else was gone yeah and the bear was assaulted as well, as well, and his I had to glue his nose back on. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, That's awesome. Well, things go bad. I'm just going to post up in your yard, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
There's a cedar swamp actually not too far from my house, so okay. if he does hang around, we may have to keep him around permanently until somebody can take care of him. <laughs> I would almost feel, well, I'd almost feel no shame shooting a 250-pound bear in your yard. Almost. No, not at all. <laughs> oh, funny. Take them any way you can get them. Yeah, exactly. As long as it's legal, right? Exactly, exactly. By whatever means. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too funny. All right, man. We're going to we'll end this podcast. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And we'll catch you next time.